everybody, I'm Frankie. And I'm Daniel, and this is Propagated Podcast. I had a dream the other night that... I was listening to our first episode and I was like, what is this absolute garbage? Like we <laughs> forgot our names. The intro was all wrong. Phil. And then I woke up and was like, whew, okay, well, Literal at least Phil. it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Daniel. How, Hi. How's it's your so week nice been? to see your beautiful face. Oh, it's been good. Um, what have I done? Well, I had a migraine. That was not good, but it is warm enough. There is all kinds of things sprouting in my garden and... I planted lettuce seeds and they sprouted within three days. That's so fast. Three days? So fast. So fast. That's I've never exciting. used a grow light before. Yeah. They That's were just so like, exciting. boom. Hello. Kind Welcome of, to spring. I think that I might try and have a garden this year too, which I haven't done in a very long time. But I think I'm just going to buy yeah. starters. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to start from seed. I don't, have, I don't really have the space, unfortunately, to have like an indoor seed starting setup, unfortunately. Yeah, I just, I don't know. There's something about like the seeds sprouting. It's just the best feeling in the whole world. It's absolute total magic. <laughs> oh, no, it's absolutely the, that cool, cool shit. I feel you. Remember when our science yeah. class was one of my favorite things, one of the favorite experiments we did, I guess, was to put a seed in auger, like auger, auger, mm. and let it grow because it's clear, but it still has nutrients like soil would. So you can like watch yeah. the seed like crack open and like the tiny little bit and come all the way out the top and it was really fun to watch there are so many things that we did in science class in middle school or elementary school that i want to do again now as an adult like we had monarch butterflies i want that <laughs> dude we should just have a science day where we like go out and buy like find some monarch butterfly cocoons and do the thing because as long as you take like as long as you give them the right environment it's no different than them Growing up in the wild, probably more likely to survive, honestly. Yes. And I also want to make slime. <laughs> slime is that fun shit. I literally have Silly Putty sitting next to my bed right now because sometimes I get anxious and it's fun to fidget with. Welcome to that neurodiverse life. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, let's... I'm, I'm so excited for this episode. I mean, my topic is a lot. It's a lot. I have 10 pages of notes, so... I'm going to try to get through it all. <laughs> Same. I feel like I say this about almost everything, but I feel like eventually down the road, I'll do a more in-depth analysis of what I'm going to talk about today. Not just the kind of the surface level again today for mine, because it is also a lot. A lot. A Plants lot. are a lot. Like you're like, oh yeah, plant podcast. That's super easy and fun. We'll just talk about plants. And then you get into it and you're like, oh my God, there's I'm so much history. <laughs> Mine is definitely plant adjacent today, again, cool. as per usual. That's what I do apparently. Um, <gasps> Welcome to propagated, everybody. <laughs> you told me what you were doing, and then that made me decide uh -huh. that I wanted to be like on the same page. So I am going to do honey. <gasps> oh, I have a little bit about honey, but now I can skip that because I'm so excited. <laughs> so it's pretty fun. And realistically, the reason I said it's plant adjacent is because I'm probably going to be talking a little bit more about the folklore of honey and the bees that make it instead of 
the plants that go into it. I do have a section about the plants though too, but bees are necessary. Well, it's fine for plants, so they're like the most important thing in the world, honestly. So I feel like it's close enough. Here at Propagated, we are sponsored by bees, so <laughs> and we had you know, to shout out our sponsors. <laughs> I don't know if we have said this in the past, but originally we were talking about using the name Pollinated Podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we have a true heart for pollinators, and bees are yes. the number one, number one, bay when it comes we to pollination. Why is it that the second I hit record, I just become so dorky? I love it. I love how much I hated that. Honestly, it was just a lot, but it's super great. <laughs> Oh my oh uh, hey i heard through the grapevine that you might have an article for me i do have an article am i supposed to do that in the beginning yeah let's start off with an article okay i want to hear about honey but i want to hear what you you said you had a cool article and i want to hear about it dope 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 i changed what i was gonna do but i still have an article um <laughs> of course i am going to again in very normal daniel fashion talk about an orchid because Yay. why wouldn't I? Um, yeah. And this article is like way more recent than the first one I was going to talk about. And I feel like that's kind of important if we're going to talk about stuff. But the title of the article, which is written by Mindy Weisberger, is World's Ugliest Orchid Looks Like a Soul-Sucking Eyeless Worm. <laughs> 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 and I saved a picture of it. <laughs> it will definitely be on the Instagram because it does indeed. Like, if you watch Star Wars and you looked at the sandworm in, like, the first bit of the Star Wars movies, this is what this thing looks like. It's honestly, truly ugly as fuck. It really is. Oh, no. Um, Sometimes, like, I feel like I have those days where I'm just world's ugliest orchid that looks like a soul-sucking worm. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's we all mood. have those it's days, realis- realistically. <laughs> I'm going to read this uh, paragraph of this article because I loved it when I was reading it. It kind of made me chuckle. So, mm-hmm. in, 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 I guess quoted, orchids are usually prized for their grace and loveliness, but a newly described species from Madagascar probably won't be winning any beauty contests. Its small flowers are a muddled brown, and it resembles a moldy oh. paper bag. Or maybe an eyeless, worm-like head with the mouth gaping and a silent scream or to consume your soul. is literally what this article says, and I about died. I love that. That is very much on brand for us. It's, right? So it was actually... Very flowery description. We talk, we talk about the botanical gardens in Kew all the time, the Royal Botanical Gardens, which, again, we should definitely do that one day. But mm-hmm. they... um are the ones who called it the ugliest orchid in the world officially. And, uh, wow. Pretentious. Yeah. Jeez. And they recently what a judgment call. <laughs> they recently placed the homely newcomer at the top of a list, highlighting species discovered in 2020. So it's a brand new thing. Didn't know about it until late Ooh. last year, which I think is cool. So it's actually a leafless orchid. And, as always, I'm probably going to butcher its real name because I'm not good at this <laughs> stuff. But it goes by Gastrodia agnicellus. So it's like not as much of a mouthful as other names, but also sounds kind of ugly. Like the name kind of makes it sound yeah. ugly. 
like when I think gastro, I think of like gut and digestion and like gross yeah. shit. So. But um, so this this little guy, it's a small orchid, and it grows underground in like detritus, like like over the soil, like in leaf litter and stuff for most of its life cycle, and is a type of orchid that is actually nourished by fungus, which is kind of cool. Huh. So that's how it can be leafless, yeah. is it feeds off of the fungus. And a fun fact that came out of this article as well is that in addition to what they called the small brown and rather ugly orchid, the researchers and, and collaborators with the Kew Gardens described more than 150 plants and fungi this year. Wow. That's a that's lot. A, that's, I feel like that's like pretty, new stuff? yeah, new stuff. Described more than wow. 150 plants and fungi just huh. this year. Cool. Um, the article goes on to tell about a bunch of other stuff too, but I wanted to talk to you specifically about the ugly ass little orchid. Because <laughs> I thought it Can was really cute. Can this be like our like theme flower? Like our what is that called when you have your like flower? Your state flower. We, this is our podcast flower. Podcast flower, <laughs> like just all of our headers on everything. Can we make a shirt out of it? <laughs> yeah, I like love World's it. World's ugliest orchid. I like almost. <laughs> like, <laughs> I want you to like. I'm going to screen share just for a second so you can see what I'm talking about. Look at this thing. Yeah, yeah. Wait, it hasn't worked. Uh, oh, my God. Look at it. Oh, my God. It's so ugly. It oh, <laughs> poor baby. It looks like like fried chicken skin. Right? It's crazy. <laughs> and you guys will obviously like like hop on over to our Instagram <laughs> as you're listening to this, and we'll definitely have this up for you so you can see it. But the caption is "Behold the ugly orchid." Yes, <laughs> that's our shirt. Behold Work the ugly it. orchid. <laughs> I'm so excited. I love it. I want one now. It's so much fun. Oh gosh. Oh. My but goodness. yeah, that is the article I have for you. Originally, I was going to do an article much more sciencey, but that seemed very fun, no, and I wanted to send it. So. Love it. Love it so much. Thank you for introducing me to that sweet, poor, beautiful babe. The world's ugliest orchid has been revealed. <laughs> I feel like that needs to be some kind of fucking BuzzFeed article, you know, like oh, like absolutely. some like paparazzi style shit. Can we make that into a shirt? Can it be like a TMZ article? Like orchids <laughs> normally known for their beauty discovered to be ugly on the inside. Like some crazy stupid <laughs> shit like that. Where are they now? <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Uh, Love it. <gasps> yeah, but that was my article. I thought it was fun. And it was very fun. I think for the sake of everybody, now that we've already talked their ear off, is to talk some more. And maybe about honey. Because yeah. I'm kind of bees. excited. Me too. About honey. Um, so honey is actually what considered to be the earliest known reliable source of sweetening. So mm -hmm. um, the earliest reference that I saw was in Egypt in 5500 BCE so long 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 time ago mm -hmm. um and references are just everywhere in ancient history to honey and honeybees themselves are actually far older than any written record honestly so they say that homo sapiens as a species evolved around 50,000 years ago and according to science, bees were making honey probably around 40 million years before we even existed. So bees have been around for a very, very fucking long time. Yeah. As far as we can tell, honeybees as a group 
appear to have originated in Southeast Asia. So, but that's like hard to really tell, you know, like that's just going off what fossil yeah. records we have right now. So who knows? But that's where science says right now they believe bees to have come from or originated at or in Southeast Asia. And around 30 million years ago is when they started to develop social behavior, which is why part of why bees are so fucking cool. And about 30 million years ago is also when science thinks that they became pretty much identical to the bees we have today. So they've really not, throughout the lens of time, yeah. changed a whole lot. Like though their social structures and the way they operate have been the same for a very long time. They've just been vibing. Right? Vibing for a long fucking time. <laughs> so another fucking Latin word, because we all know how great I am at those. <laughs> Why do we even attempt? I it? don't know, but it's in my it was in my research, so I feel like it's necessary to include it. But yeah. modern honeybees or the Western honeybee is known as Apis mellifera, mm. and that's the most commonly domesticated species. And they think those originated in tropical Africa, and then spread from there, like north and east of there to like Europe and Asia. So, again. As is true of me every episode, we're going to have to talk some shit about colonists because. Oh, my God. Don't even get me. So I'm my topic is sugar. I can't. Like the entire oh, history of sugar. Oh, it's going to be so bad. Oh, my God. Awful. <laughs> we're going to get really into sugar it. Sugar is a rough one. I didn't go super yeah. deep into it. But Native Americans did not have bees and did not have honey. To the best of our knowledge, it wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. So in 1622 is when the first European colonists brought a subspecies of Apis mellifera, or your Western honeybee, to the Americas. A, a main reason they brought the bees with them is because many of their crops depended on honeybees for pollination. So the importation of their crops was dependent upon also having bees imported as well. And since then, bees kind of naturally spread on their own from there. So it said that the article I was reading said that escaped swarms of wild bees spread pretty rapidly as far as like the plains, but they weren't able to cross the Rocky Mountains. So like when they hit North America, they kind of only went to the Rockies, but they spread mm -hmm. pretty rapidly to that point. And then it was not actually until the 1850s that California had bees carried by ship in. So the West Coast didn't really have wow. bees until much, much later. Yeah. And obviously today, honey is produced in every state. There's not a state that doesn't have some level of honey production. Um, with the main or I guess 63% of the U.S. production comes from California, North Dakota, Florida, South Dakota, Montana, and Minnesota. So those states mm -hmm. for the U.S. account for 63% of the production. Wow. And this is my only little blurb about sugar, because you can't talk about honey and its history without touching on sugar a little bit. So yeah. until cane sugar, which originated in Southeast Asia which I hope is true. That's what the article told me um, <laughs> since we're about to hear all about it became commercially available and affordable in the mid 19th century. Honey was pretty much the major sweetening agent 
for Westerners. It like used from in everything from tea to cakes and candies, everything. Yeah. That's kind of like as deep as I wanted to get into the history of it. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the market for honey now. So like most of the U.S. market for honey are alfalfa and clover honeys. Mm. Um, with clover or a mild clover honey makes up about 45% of the market. But a lot of your supermarket quality honey, like the stuff that you just go and buy randomly, actually isn't from America. It's mostly from Argentina, China, and Canada. Hmm. And is pasteurized. And like you want, they, they want it to be a very generic, like it, you're, each bottle is going to taste exactly the same. It's not going to like have that natural variation in flavor that you get with like a local honey production, smaller production scale stuff. So essentially, I guess what I'm driving at is that your mass made honey is still sweet. So you can still use it as a sweetener, but it's bland. So there's not really any complexity to it, Mm -hmm. but or health benefits, right? But if you want that good, good, want that good (laughs) honey, you want to look for a label that talks about some kind of varietal flower. Really? That's like when you're getting the good honey, it's not just going to say honey on it. It's going to say, for example, orange blossom honey or something mm. of that nature. So that's what you're looking for when you want nicer honey. Did I ever tell you about the time that they don't even sell it, but I somehow got a hold of a jar of honey from a medicinal flower farm? And so it was stuff like echinacea and chamomile and all that. It was the best tasting honey that I've ever tasted in my life. Super dope. Yeah. Honestly, into that happy for you i want to find that and now. then i was like where do i get more of this and they're like oh no we only give it as gifts and i was like no, no let me buy let some me work for you. let me do something <laughs> yeah. please yeah. can we do a trade I anything time. <laughs> <laughs> i just want the honey please <laughs> but yeah and honey is like i love honey honestly it's one of my favorite fucking things i put it in my teas if i want to have sweetened coffee that's what i sweeten my coffee with like I would, I I like, in my opinion, far prefer honey over regular cane sugar personally, because I feel like it does have a little bit more character to it. Um, Mm -hmm. But take this moment in the episode to actually talk about plants. And I'm going to tell you where some of the (laughs) most famous, like some of the most popular honeys, what they come from. So like I said, clover honey is going to be your most classic, normal, like, big time honey production system because clover grows fucking everywhere prolifically and flowers all the time but like the entire summer so it's like easy to keep clover honey around you know Mm -hmm. and so that's like you're going to be your most popular and then if you want something darker with like a i guess a little bit more of a rich flavor you can get a buckwheat honey which i don't know if you've had a buckwheat honey before but it's really tasty I love buckwheat honey. Now, sage honey is fun, and it looks a little bit different, so it's kind of, like, got a really nice golden glow to it, like that, like, picturesque look that you want (laughs) from honey. And most of that comes from Western Oregon. I've actually never had sage honey, but I was looking it up, and I really want it now. Honestly, it sounds really fucking good. Um. Another one that I haven't had but really want, and apparently the, the article I was reading is actually from a place in Asheville, which I thought was cool, is from the Bee Charmer. 
they like oh, did an article about the about top to say tens. We should go there and do a tasting. Yeah, but they uh, they said if you're a honey connoisseur, you're gonna want to search out some acacia honey. Mm. And apparently, it's like the purest, nicest, cleanest tasting honey ever. So I really want mm. that. Yeah. Um, my friend's dog got hurt one time, and the vet actually told her to use manuka honey which comes out of New Zealand and it's like supposed to be one of the most like well-known for medicinal property honeys, very expensive, but it has great antibacterial properties. Have you ever watched Broad City? Yeah. That's immediately where my brain goes every I time. I literally I just honey. <laughs> watched that episode like two nights ago. My honey. Yeah. Literally she throws it at the lady. It's such a good episode. I uh, love that episode. If you haven't seen it, it's this episode of Broad City where she gets her wisdom teeth taken out and basically through a series of shenanigans is just super high in a Whole Foods. Super high in a Whole Foods. Spends like $1,600, which isn't really that hard to do at Whole Foods. If we're being no. honest, I've like... I've definitely like spent a, a few hole. hundred dollars there and like been like, damn, I only got like 10 things. The fuck did I do? Yeah, for sure. But Manuka honey does taste. It's like a very strong flavor. So some people don't really love the taste of it, but I think it tastes amazing. But that's said to be the healthiest honey in the world. Huh. Another ode to Asheville is Tupelo honey, which I have had and is really tasty also. There's also a restaurant in the place that we live in Asheville called Tupelo Honey. Wait, what is a Tupelo? Is it like a type of tree? It's a tree. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Tupelo tree. Apparently, it's kind of expensive to get. The article said it has a delicious buttery sweetness like no other honey, but it comes from the swamps of Ap- Apalachicola, Florida. I don't know how to say that. Apalachicola? Apalachicola? Whatever. <laughs> Anyways, comes out of the swamps of Florida. Um but the harvest season is only three weeks long. That's like the longest they can get. Like that's huh. the longest harvest season for this honey. Wow. Yeah. That's quick. I don't want to keep droning about the different plants that they can come from. So I'm going to talk about some folklore. Yeah. Because I think that's the most fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first story. I got these from a page of from people that like really love honey. It's called, I guess the person is Raymond Huber, and he is the one that collected these stories. So I'm going to read them um, kind of exactly because they're not very long. So I'm just going to like read the way that they wrote them because I feel like that's more polite since I'm stealing the stories to like actually (laughs) say them as they're supposed to be told. So Um, the first one comes out of Africa, and it was the Bushmen of the Kalahari Desert, and it's one of their creation stories. Cool. So it go it, they this is how he wrote it. B was a kindly creature. One night, Mantis needed to cross a great flooded river to reach his family and asked B for help. B offered to carry Mantis on her back. She flew over the raging waters but was beaten down by a strong wind. B was dangerously close to the waves when she saw a magnificent flower floating on the water. B dropped Mantis onto the flower, fell beside her, and died of exhaustion. When the sun rose, curled up on the flower was the first human being coming out of B's sacrifice. Aww. So really cute. I love that. That's super cute. cute. I like it. I don't like that the bee died. (laughs) Well, I mean, obviously there were more bees, so it's fine. The bee, bee, like, bee did a sweet thing. Yeah. Thanks, bee. 
In Brazil, there's a myth that tells how bees' nests were created. And it says, In the beginning, honey was found in huge pots on the ground, and people ate as much as they liked. The gods looked down and were greatly displeased. Those humans are becoming fat and lazy, they said. So the gods commanded the bees to build honeycomb high in the tall jungle trees so that people would have to work hard to climb up and get the honey. Hmm. Um, there's a lot. I like just picked some of my favorite stories because there are, there's a very, very big lot, big, big <laughs> bunch of folklore behind honey and honeybees and yeah, it's stuff. Yeah, been around so forever. In Thailand, there's a folk tale that explains why bees build comb in like, cozy places like trees and it says long long ago elephants did not have trunks one day a terrible forest fire swept over the land to escape the smoke the honeybees hid inside the elephants mouths the elephants roared angrily but the bees would not come out the elephants blew so hard their mouths stretched out into trunks in desperation the elephants breathed in the stinging smoke of the fire and the bees finally buzzed off since then, bees have always built honey honeycomb and hollow trees because it reminds them of elephants' trunks. Huh. I love that. Yeah, cute. Another cute one. Yeah. Um, and then an Australian story. The guy who wrote these said that aboriginals have stories about bees passed down for hundreds of years by storytellers. And apparently he extended... Or not apparently he did extend a thank you to Auntie Gloria Matthews, who is an Aboriginal elder in Mount Druitt, for telling them this bee myth. So, again, I'm reading ex exactly how they wrote it, which is exactly how they heard it from Auntie Gloria Matthews. I feel like I might as well give credit where it's due. Yeah, totally. Um, one day, Baloo, the moon lady, looked down from the sky and saw the honey hunters. They took their axes split a tree open, and pulled the honeycomb out. She knew the hunters always left a sweet treat behind for her. Sure enough, they put a chunk of comb in the fallen tree trunk and then left. Baloo swept down and put her arm into the tree, but her arm got trapped and she couldn't move. Baloo heard a strange noise and turned to see many tiny grass people approaching. They freed her arm so they could return to the sky. Oh, I'm sorry. They freed her arm so she could return to the sky, and to reward their kindness, Baloo sends dewdrops to the grass every night. Aww, I love that. Yeah, super cute. And then in the UK, there is a riddle, which obviously you're going to know the answer to, <laughs> so it's not quite as fun, but it goes, Behind the king's kitchen there is a great vat, and a great many workmen working at that. Yellow are their toes, yellow are their clothes. Tell me this riddle and you can pull my nose. <laughs> <laughs> Cute. Um, yeah, so like I said, honey definitely deserves a little bit more attention. So eventually I will do a deeper dive into the history of honey because it was very interesting. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to kind of like hit some of the fun points for this episode. Yeah. So that is what I had to tell you about honey yeah well here is where the fun dies because <laughs> we're gonna talk about sugar now <laughs> i'm very glad that i kept it light because i knew that when sugar came around it was going to be a lot because goddamn if the fucking people i'm gonna let you tell the stories but i know oh. some of them already boy oh boy okay yeah i'm pretty much gonna pick up pretty much exactly where you left off i mean it does this story of sugar starts with honey 
And this is specifically the Western history of sugar. You know, sugar went from being a medicine to a spice, to a symbol of royalty, to an instrument of disease and addiction and oppression. And it just has this deep, dark story that we're going to get into today because it's important. I'm and so excited. Yeah. Uh, Frankie never does the deep, dark dives. I know. It's usually as I was me, and I'm it, so excited about it. It was all history, too. And I was like, ooh, Daniel's going to have a good day. <laughs> I am excited. So, yeah, it's a dark, long history. So, we're probably only going to talk about the history this episode, but we're going to get through it. Here we go. Ooh, are we going to do a honey and sugar part two? Possibly we could. I'm into that. I'm into that too. So specifically, we're going to start with honey, and then we're going to talk about maple sugar, cane sugar, and beet sugar. Yeah. Love it. Here we go. Let's start. So in 10,000 BCE, there was honey in Europe, African, and Asia. Like you said, no bees in America, but we would get, or I mean not we, but indigenous Americans would get syrup from trees mostly, or they would do agave nectar or mashed fruits for their sweetness. Bees were eventually domesticated around 2500 BCE, and fun fact, simple hives, smoke, and honey in jars were found in the tombs of pharaohs, and they were also found in um, King Tut, Tutankhamun's tomb. Fucking cool. Because you know that means that they must have loved honey so fucking much because nothing made it into a tomb if it wasn't something they wanted badly in the afterlife. afterlife. So that's really fucking cool. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you, though? Like, honey is the best. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, so in 8000 BCE, um, sugarcane is a reed that is native to New Guinea, and people would chew it for sweetness. But it takes about 2,000 years before the sugarcane goes by ship to the Philippines and India. And sugar is first refined in India. The first sugar mill is actually described in Indian text in 100 AD. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. This is so, a little bit later than I would have imagined, honestly. A little bit but okay. later, yeah. I guess people were just doing whatever for sweetness. I think refinement is just a little bit more technical and came later. Right. So in 327 AD, the Greek and Romans learn about it. Nearchus, who was an officer in the army of Alexander the Great, writes, quote, of a reed in India that brings forth honey without the help of bees from which an intoxicating drink is made, though the plant bears no fruit. So, God, pretty into sugar game. I feel like every fucking person in ancient history is queer as fuck. That was written by a queer person. I'm sorry. No straight man. No straight man be writing like that. That was too pretty. That was queer as fuck, and I'm here for it. Oh, an intoxicating drink because the plant bears no fruit. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Totally. 100%. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's pretty well noted that the Greeks and Romans were pretty, pretty queer, queer people, which I'm yeah. down for. Fair. Love it. Um, so then they bring small amounts of sugarcane back to the Mediterranean, and mostly they use it for trade with physicians for medical purposes. It's not really used as like an indulgent thing because it's rare and expensive. Okay. In 500 to 600 AD, Jundi, oh, I don't know if I can pronounce this correctly, but Jundi Shapur is this university created in Iran, and it becomes this meeting place for all of the world's scholars west of China. 
they create the first teaching hospital. And by 600 AD, they develop this potent Indian medicine, which was sugar. And through this, they develop better methods for processing into crystallized sugar. So sugar is kind of becoming more of a common thing at this time. Right. It's actually got some production going now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's ramping up. So around the same time, the Arabs are the masters of growing and refining and cooking sugar. And they, through this, they start to see it as more of a commodity. They're like, hmm, this could be something bigger than a medicine or a spice. So then they decide to make it a rare delicacy for their royalty and the most wealthy in their society. So what they do is they combine it with ground-up almonds and make marzipan. Love marzipan. Yeah. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> I don't like nuts in anything sweet. <laughs> it's so weird. It's just like, it's something about like the texture. I just can't I get can, over. I can understand that. When I was younger, I was the same way, for sure, because I didn't like the texture of it. But now... There's not a whole lot of textures that are going to stop me from eating food that I enjoy. I used to be like really weird about textured food. And now I'm like, mm, I don't give a fuck. If it tastes good, it tastes good. And I'm going to eat it. That's fair. So with the birth of marzipan, sugar sculptures become this really regular part of parties and soirees. So which means the knowledge starts to spread. And as it spreads, the Egyptians master the refining process and start to make pure white sugar. <sighs> All right. <laughs> How are we doing? <laughs> it just We're, gets worse from here. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you just told the fun part of the story. Yeah. I got a nice little bit of history. I know some shit about sugar. And now you're going to tell me about why I have to hate everybody that was involved in sugar, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sugar pretty much is one of the biggest sources for strife in the world. But here we go. So in 1099, European crusaders conquer Jerusalem. And they learn the details of the sugar process. They bring the process back um, to Europe, which sparks a great demand. And now Venice has this inroad to dominate the sugar chain in the uh, the sugar trade in the Mediterranean. And for the next half century, they are dominating. God, gotta love a religious war, fucking oh, yeah. stealing shit and bringing it back to their homeland like it's their fucking shit God, literally this whole can't. history is like oh this person stole this and killed a bunch of people oh this person now oh now now they're the sugar master <laughs> mm, mm, oh mm, my mm, god mm, mm. um but yeah sugar at this point is still rare and still expensive and it isn't until about the 1300s that that starts to change here we go in 1402 to 1500, the Spanish colonized the Canary Islands and set up sugar plantations and decide to enslave all of the indigenous people on the island fucking to run these plantations. Colonizers, motherfucking <laughs> colonizers, motherfucking pieces of shit. Yeah. Sorry. And by 1500, the island is almost completely deforested. So. Gotta love what was probably one of the most beautiful places in the world getting destroyed <sighs> by fucking colonizers. So speaking of colonizers, in 1493, Columbus brings sugarcane from the Canary Islands to Hispaniola, which is Haiti and the Dominican Republic, basically. Uh -huh. And they become the most important sugar producer in the New World at this point. I wonder who's fucking growing and collecting the sugar, Frankie. Who's doing huh. that? I wonder. I wonder. In 1500, Pedro Cabral of Portugal 
lands on Brazil accidentally, whoops, and establishes plantations there. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God. Whoops. Whoops. So the growers make technological advances. They make a new mill design that's powered by animals, water, or wind, and a new method for refinement, which allows larger operations. And Brazil now dominates the industry, which brings about the collapse of Sao Tome, Sao Tome, which is a Portugal colony, which basically in turn makes it so that they can't keep up. So now they have to export their enslaved peoples to Brazil. And Brazil also collapses the Mediterranean sugar industry. So it's just a... Fuck fest of enslaved peoples right now. Jesus Christ. <sighs> so then, in the 1600s, coffee, tea, and chocolate in popularity rises, and which means more sugar consumption. More sugar. More demand, and wanting it cheaply, which means further slave labor. So in the 17th century, over half a million enslaved African peoples were shipped to Brazil and the New World for colonies, or and the you New Colonies for sugar. Half a million? You said 500,000. Half a million. Half a million. Yeah. Shipped uh, to Brazil uh, and the New World Colonies for sugar. It's just so maddening. Maddening. For sugar. Just for sugar. We already had honey. This is like the darkest plant history. We already yeah. had honey. It does all the same and shit. And we had maple sugar. Like, that's what... We have had maple sugar. We use the trees, people. All right. Anyways. So, in 1791, the social tides start to change. British Parliament fails to pass the Slave Trade Abolition Bill. So, abolitionists are like, fuck you, and boycott sugar tied to enslaved peoples. As the movement increases, so does the demand for ethical sugar. And in America, abolitionists start to completely avoid Caribbean-grown sugar, and they turn to maple sugar from trees. So, this is kind of cool. I didn't know any of this. In 1789, residents of Philadelphia agree to buy certain amounts of maple sugar at fixed prices to help the industry take off. And at the same time, oh, that's the US, cool. yeah, and at the same time, the U.S. government is encouraging Americans to make syrup at home and like teaching them how, and they're telling them to avoid sweets and shops. So that's like they're really trying to make the maple sugar industry take Man. off. Man. What a fucking cool little part of American history that I or U.S. history that I did not know. Right? My dad and I used to make maple sugar back in the day. Well, by which I mean my dad pretty much did it. <laughs> it takes forever. My my grandpa and I used to grow cane cool. to make molasses. Love yeah. that. Okay, so 1807. Thomas Jefferson signs the bill prohibiting the import of enslaved peoples. And the British House of Lords follow shortly after. However, enslaving people still remains a widespread practice. It isn't really ended until 1865 in America and 1888 in Brazil. Whew. Damn. Yeah. In the early 1800s, the Napoleonic Wars, during the Napoleonic Wars, supplies were cut off by the English blockade of continental Europe. So demand for sugar... And research with sugar beets increases under Napoleon. And Napoleon's like, yes, let's do this. Let's research this. He actually planted from 1810 to 1815, 79 
thousand acres of sugar beets. <laughs> acres? Acres, yeah. Acres. Seventy-nine thousand. Yes. That is an almost unfathomable swath of land. Like, yeah. Okay. But, okay, herb. Seventy-nine thousand herb. That's yeah. fucking wild. Unfortunately, at this point, they're pretty much starting from scratch production-wise because sugar beets are very different than cane sugar. So after the war mm. ends, all of it collapses. Pretty much the whole thing collapses, and they go back to sugar cane. Of course. Yeah. It's all about that convenience. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk about capitalism a little bit. Sugar and capitalism. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're hitting all the themes today. Depressing. <laughs> Oh, boy. So in 1887, lower prices means less profit, obviously. So eight leaders in America in the sugar trade band together to form the American Sugar Refining Company, or the ASRC. These eight people work together to fix the price of sugar. So they kind of gain all this power. They're like controlling these mills. They're shutting down mills where they need to. They're combining mills where they need to. They're basically all in it together to fix the price of sugar and control everything. This is also the same time that because of this and this power and this need for all this sugar and um, control of sugar is when America basically topples the Hawaiian throne over sugar. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Just another chapter. One Just of the most another. recent yeah. chapters <laughs> in our fucking shitty ass history. Uh, all for sugar, too. Like, oh, For man. sugar. <laughs> for sugar. Oh, uh, fuck. This is like the point where I think I'm just giving up sugar forever. <laughs> Anyways, so in, the ni- in 1900, the ASRC combines everything and decides to go under one name, Domino Sugar. Oh, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. That's still around. Yes. In 1907, they control 97% of all sugar production. 97? Eight people <laughs> control 97%. I thought, I thought that like monopolies were not supposed to be a thing. Oh, quote unquote. Or was, that, know, pre, was, that, pre-mono- was that pre-monopoly laws though I in 1907 no maybe? I don't know. I, I, I don't either. No. Let's, let's Sorry, that's just how, that's where my brain went. <laughs> Uh, but, but, but 1890. No, so it's post. Oh, post. Right post. Like, maybe d- that's freshly why they com- post. I guess that's probably why they combined and created one company, Domino Sugar, you know? But then it's like they're all different tr- trusts. I don't know how it works. I don't know how capitalism works. I don't. I, I Yeah, antitrust <laughs> laws are complicated, and I don't None really get them. I just know me. that you're not supposed to, like, have one company control all of it. The fact that we have a Jeff Bezos, like, I will anyways. never understand. <laughs> Gross. All right. Let's talk about health and fitness. <laughs> so in 1942 mm. to 1918, 19, I'm sorry. In 1942 to 1980, the American Medical Association starts to warn people about sugar because they find these correlations between sugar and diabetes and other diseases. But around 1980, the FDA decides, you know what? Fat is a greater villain. And we're just going to go after fat. Like, who cares about sugar? Just, it's all about obesity and fat. And so we're going to start this trend where we reduce the fat, but we up the sugar. <laughs> so all of these diet oh, foods are just that like works. super high in sugar. Sugar health issues are rising like bananas. 
And they, this is when they start to create artificial sweeteners, which, by the way, most of them, they learn later, cause cancer and are carcinogenic. Well, isn't that just really fucking fun? So great. So great. Just gotta love, gotta love it. Gotta which, love our, gotta love my carcinogens. I intake a lot. Yeah. Which, by the way, I really have to quickly shout out. If you're looking for an incredible podcast, Maintenance Phase, it's the two hosts are incredible. They talk about all sorts of health and just like all the bullshit that we've been through in the health industry and everything. And it's just an awesome podcast. Okay. What, say the name again. Maintenance Phase. Okay, so in the 2000s, we kind of get back to basics. You know, we have this whole revival of like, oh, no, don't eat what your grandma wouldn't have eaten. Let's go back to pure foods. It's got to be all natural, (laughs) which, you know, by the way, the FDA still to this day does not have a defined term of what natural means. So (laughs) anyways, got to love those USDA labels. Ah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. So anyways, we've talked about that a lot. We go back to basics. People are like agave nectar, honey, dates, stevia, which I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole with stevia. I can't get into it because it's a whole thing. But stevia is a plant. But the way that you use it to create sweetener, it has no benefits. You literally have to add in so many additives and you process out all of the good stuff from the plant to make stevia. (laughs) I always felt like I was being conned when people talked about stevia and it was just like a deep down gut feeling about that. I was getting conned when people were talking about how cool stevia was. It is kind of nice to get some validation in my thoughts on that one. Okay. So that was it. That was the history. I now have current numbers. So the current world production is 130 million metric tons. That's a literal metric fuck ton, Frankie. (laughs) That's a lot of fucking sugar. Jesus Christ. Throughout the world, 35% of it comes from the sugar beet and 65% of it comes from cane. In the USA, it's closer to 50-50. So it's about 50 to 55% sugar beet and then half cane. So yeah, that's where we're at. Okay. So yeah, that was sugar. Holy poop. That was rough. (sighs) Not gonna lie to you. Yeah. I didn't even really get into the plants at all. That was just the history. So it's we okay. might have to do a part two. And I can do rum too. I, we'll talk about rum. Oh, we haven't done rum. No, but that was super interesting though. Like um, that was, I mean, I obviously knew some of the history of sugar because it has been such a commodity for such a long time. Yeah. But I did not. That's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Whew. Okay. I can breathe now. Huh. Yeah. Next time I'm going to. Give gonna... me my honey. I'm all about the honey. Yeah, I think I'm going to do either like maple trees or like cane sugar. I'll do something with sugar next week, too, because this is so fascinating and I just want to keep reading about it. <laughs> yeah, no, honey was super dope, too. I might might just have a part two or we'll keep it sweet. <laughs> just like us. <laughs> just like us. We're so cute. So cute, I, so the sweet. whole time I was taking notes, my head was going, pour some sugar on me. <laughs> i had to sing once in the episode (laughs) every time i'm not gonna lie to you every time you like repeat a sentence because you're gonna edit out the bad one i always it's every time i'm in my head it's hit me baby one more time (laughs) and it makes me laugh every time so every time you repeat yourself i'm just back here singing britney spears in my head well i usually add in like nope let me do that again (laughs) 
hit me. Nope. I'm going to start saying that. I'm going to be like, nope, hit me, baby, one more time. And then say it again. <laughs> I love it. I love podcasting. <laughs> oh. oh, great. It's fun. It's a good time. It's, it's this is hilarious. This has been amazing. So, yeah, I guess that's the episode. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Let's tell you where to find us on the internet. <gasps> You can honestly find us in so many fucking spots now. If you yeah. want to find us on Instagram, then Frankie will tell you what our Instagram handle is. Guess what? It's Propagated Podcast. Ooh, so simple. <laughs> so easy. So simple. I love. I love when it's easy. Um, if you want to find us on Twitter. It's not so easy, but it's easier technically because it's Propagated Pod. <laughs> less, less letters to type. Propagated Pod. Less letters you just got to remember that it's not the full word. I'm sure you could find it if you typed it all in, though. You can also find us at our web. Wait, which? What? I feel like I'm missing something. What am I missing? Uh, Gmail? You can find us at our website. I only did Gmail last. Yeah, there's also a contact form on our website. Honestly, just go to our website. It's all there. <laughs> and plus, I worked really hard on it, and it's really pretty. <laughs> yeah. Go to propagatedpodcast.com. Again, very simple, very great, you know, simple and elegant, just like the site, which is very beautiful and pretty. And Frankie worked really hard, so we should all go look at it. Yeah. And you can find everything there. Yeah, you can even find a link if you want to support the show. Yeah, I was going to say, if you want to add an extra layer of support, then you can go to the website and find our link to Patreon, which have some really cool perks in there, and you mm -hmm. get to be plant zaddies with this is that what we decided we decided yeah. plant zaddies right plant zaddies and we just released a really cool episode daniel talks about the rarest plants in the world which were really Ooh. awesome we also know times are hard so no worries if you can't do yeah it, absolutely but. we totally get it if you can't but if you want some extra content then definitely check it out and like Frankie said, go to our website, propagatedpodcast.com. You can find everything you need to know there. There's t-shirts for sale, which are really pretty mm -hmm. and awesome. I love those. So comfy. I print them myself with my two little hands. <laughs> yeah. We super love hearing from you guys. So definitely mm -hmm. go there and get in touch with us. Talk to us. You want to yeah. hear about a specific plant? You want an episode just for you? We'll make it fucking happen. We'll do it to it. We just did an Instagram story about um, all of the plants we've killed. And a whole bunch of people joined in telling us the plants that they killed. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun time. Got it. Yeah, you got to be realistic with yourself sometimes. You're going to kill some plants. Oh, happen. by the way, we need to come up with, maybe we'll do an episode on it. A list of plants that will survive a depressive episode. <laughs> well... <laughs> Apparently there are a lot because my room is covered in plants and I have them pretty frequently. So, <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you Love next time. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.